revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. I have told in the beginning itself, it's revelation from Jesus Christ. It is revelation about Jesus Christ. It is revelation of Jesus Christ. It is all about our Jesus Christ. This book is all about Jesus Christ. And um, if we go back, if we had been the first century hearers, uh, last Sunday, uh, last Wednesday, after they heard that message, they would have gone home, wow, our God is great. Because they knew the Egyptian mythology, they knew the Greek mythology, and they knew what happened. And when, when they heard this message that you know, what happened to this pregnant woman and how the, the son was caught up to heaven, they would have gone, wow, and this Wednesday, they would have come running to know what's going to happen in the next scene. It is, they would have come with that kind of an excitement. But because we are far removed from that time, uh, we are struggling with this passage. Most of the time we are trying to you know, somehow solve the puzzle. Uh, I don't think we have been called to solve the puzzle. Bible is not a puzzle to be solved. Uh, Bible is a book where God reveals himself and God wants us to know his revelation. That's why the book itself is called as Revelation. And I pray that we will be excited to know this God, this God. Uh, we are studying about the satanic trinity, the, dra the dragon and the two beasts. Uh, right now we are in chapter 12. Uh, we saw what happened on the earth uh, when the dragon came and what happened. That was there in Revelation chapter 12, uh, 1 to 6. Now John is shifting his focus to heaven. The 1 to 6 was what happened on the earth. Uh, remember, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. John is basically is portraying that. The great commission that we received in Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus before ascending is telling his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And John basically is taking us to heaven. And he is talking about a war that is taking place between the force, God's forces and Satan's forces. That's a major war that is taking place in, in heaven. Uh, we know ultimately Satan will lose. Uh, even the Jewish people, they often talked about the end time and they said the angels will fall from heaven. And uh, But John is relating all those stories to the specific event of Jesus' triumph. John will be talking about Satan's fall. But if we um, read and if he keeps thinking that, oh, one day Satan will fall, no, John is basically referring to a past event which has already happened. Uh, it is not an event which will happen in the future. It has, it's an event it's happened in the past. Uh, we said if the revelation had ended with chapter 11, it would have been a perfect ending. And the world would have come to an end. But John is going back back to the beginning and he's telling a story. The upper, in an apocalyptic way, he's telling the story and he's talking about Satan's fall. 
from heaven. And he is also talking about salvation and God's kingdom. Remember, salvation and God's kingdom, they were begun at his death, at Jesus' death, resurrection, and the enthronement. Kingdom of God has already come, has already come. So salvation has come. Today, the salvation has come to your home. So salvation and God's kingdom has already begun. It is not an event that will happen in the future. When Jesus came to this world and he died on the cross, he rose again and he ascended, seated at the right hand of God, the Father, salvation began. God's kingdom has begun. It is advancing. It's advancing. But this salvation and God's kingdom will be completed at the second coming of Jesus. The kingdom of God has already come, but not yet come. We are living in that tension. The kingdom of God has already come, but not yet come. And we are looking for Christ's return. He will return. And that's, that's, what, you, that's what we find in verse 10. So what the next scene is going to take place in heaven. And people are sitting and waiting to hear what's happening in heaven. John is going to talk about the dragon, the dragon, the red dragon, the enormous dragon, the huge dragon, which came to devour the child. So John is going to talk about that dragon. That dragon, what's going to happen to that dragon? Because he couldn't kill the Messiah. The dragon's only mission was to kill Messiah. As I told you that uh, he didn't want to kill the pregnant woman. He wanted only to devour the child, the newborn child. That was his mission and he did not succeed. And John is now talking about that war that's taking place or that took place in heaven, but he, that's the way he is presenting. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, seven to uh, eight, then war broke out in heaven. We are only used to hear that war taking place in, in the earth, but then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. Uh, John is going to tell who this dragon uh, is uh, because as we come down, uh, he will tell uh, in verse nine, he will tell the great dragon, you know, the ancient serpent called the devil. So we don't have to sit and worry who, who is this dragon. He's talking about Satan. And remember, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Michael and his angels. It's interesting. Michael is enough. Michael and his angels are enough to fight against the dragon and his angels. It is not Christ is good. It is not Jesus is going to fight against the dragon. Uh, sometimes we think uh, this is what in theology they call they call it as dualistic belief, as though good and evil are equal forces. Not at all. 
not at all. That's known as dualistic belief. Good and evil are not equal. Evil in no way can stand before God. So here, it is not the ascended Christ who is fighting. It is Michael and his angels. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Uh, Michael is considered to be a heavenly uh, guardian prince. In fact, he was considered as the guardian prince of Israel. So by extension, uh, Michael becomes the guardian angel of the new people of God. We can say the you know, angel Michael is a guardian angel for all of us by extension, because he was considered to be the guardian angel for Israel. Uh, because Michael, we have already heard his name in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 10, 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. All the nations, I believe, they have an angels. And uh, remember this one thing. Of, we need to be very clear. Bible gives us very little information about angel, the origin of evil. Uh, Bible gives us very little information. Because Bible gives us very little information, we should not start speculating. The moment we start speculating, we will we'll go wrong. We, we, we don't have details how there are princes, how there are angels against for each nation. But here it only says that Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So we will not speculate beyond what is given to us. Anybody who talks about angel and other things, we, we have to be a little careful because Bible does not give us more information. So we need to be careful when we hear uh, the angel came and told me to do this. Angel came and gave me this address. Angel told me to do, you should go and do this. We should be careful. Uh, there are many people who are misusing uh, whatever vision they have, we, we are not sure, but uh, Bible gives us very little information. So in Daniel 12, 1, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. It's talking about the end time, end time distress, and also the protection for God's people. And again, we have the name Michael, the great prince. So Michael was always considered as the guardian angel of Israel. And I said, by extension, we can say Michael is the guardian angel of God's people. Uh, in the, if you read the early Jewish literature or invocations, uh, especially in Catholic churches and all, uh, Michael was the chief prince of the heavenly host. Uh, Michael was considered as God's main um, messenger. Uh, 
it's interesting when war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven and um, we, we have one more verse uh, which i think you all are familiar but even the archangel michael when he was disputing with the devil about the body of moses did not himself dare to condemn him for slander but said the lord rebuke you now the question is how do you explain michael's role in jude 1 9 and revelation 12 7 8 in jude 1 9 and revelation 12 7 8 in jude 1 9 says did not dare himself uh, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander but said the lord rebuke you but here in revelation 12 7 8 says the war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels they fought back but he was not strong enough the dragon and the angels were not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven but here in jude 1 9 it says michael did not himself dare to um, himself dare to condemn him for slander but said the lord rebuke you now how do you explain michael's role in uh, jude 1 9 and revelation 12 7 to 8 how do you explain that Michael uh, has not been given, uh, you know, the, the, the authority to condemn, uh, you know, and Michael was just following his role, whatever his command was given to him. And here in this case, uh, he uses his authority just to rebuke. Uh, in which case, Pastor? In Jude 1 9, uh, uh, Michael is, uh, you know, is, not, is using his uh, delegated authority what has been given to him and only that he uses in revelation 12 uh, that, that, uh, at that time it was given to him by god you know and here you know uh, also it was given and a different role was given to him in revelation it was to fight back and in jude it is uh, given uh, given the power to uh, to to rebuke okay uh, we'll just see this verse you know, where Michael, as pastor was telling, there were limits to Michael's power. Uh, he could not overstep his own authority. So there were, uh, there were certain limitations. And hence, he was not able to act uh, against Satan because God had to permit. Uh, that was the position uh, when, when there was that argument about Moses, uh, the body of Moses. Uh, but now, John is telling something interesting. This book is all about Jesus Christ. Revelation is about Christ. 
And now what John is telling is Michael and his angel and the and his angels they represent the heavenly victory won by Christ on earth. The work that Jesus Christ did on earth gave them that authority. That's that is the focus. That's what uh, John is trying to tell us. Uh, he's telling us not only about the fallen angels, he's also telling us about the victory that Jesus won on the cross, how it impacts even the heaven. Uh, that's why in the beginning I said, uh, just keep in mind, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, because of that authority, because of that power, because of the victory that Jesus had on the cross, it is that victory that enables Michael and his angels to fight against the dragon. And it is the same authority that we also use. When we cast out demons, it is the very same authority because it is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Uh, we have an interesting case in the book of Acts. If you remember the Skeva, uh, he, Skeva and his sons, they were trying to cast out demons. And the demons, they said, I know Paul, who are you? Because it is only when we know Jesus, it is only when we know Jesus, when Jesus in, in, is in us, that authority is given to us. And Michael and his angels are basically, they are telling, they are, they are just um, implementing executing the victory that Jesus won on the cross. It's very interesting when you compare these two verses and John is presenting, the devil is a defeated devil. He's defeated. He may do certain things, but he's a defeated one. And that's what he's presenting right now. Whatever power we have over the forces of evil, it is because of the victory won by our Lord Jesus on the cross. Whatever power, whatever power, little power we have over the forces of darkness, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. In other words, he's just exemplifying, is exalting the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the book of Revelation. It's about Jesus Christ. It is, it is all about Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. What a great victory he has won for you and me. He is worthy to be worshipped. So when we say that Satan has already lost his place, Satan lost his place and he's... He is thrown out from heaven, but God provides refuge to his people. Satan has no more claim. He has no more refuge, but God's people have refuge. Where did we see this? Uh, maybe it, it should be a little difficult for you. In Revelation 12, 6, the woman fled into the darkness, wilderness, to a place 
prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time. Uh, sorry, uh, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. God has prepared a place for his children. He has prepared. He is our refuge. When we say God is our refuge, he is our refuge. We have this even in, <clears throat> we will see in four, verse 14, the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Uh, we will come to that verse a little later. All I want to say is, when God defeated devil, he has also made a place for his people. When we say, God, you are a refuge, we know that God has prepared a place for each one of us. He is a refuge from the forces of darkness. He is a refuge. And it is when we understand that, we'll be able to worship him with gratitude. We'll be able to adore him, knowing that he has prepared a place for us. We go to the next verse, that's the ninth verse. John is explaining the great dragon was hurled on. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled, on, hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, John has made our work very simple. In fact, this chapter itself, it becomes very simple. People are trying to decode who is this dragon and all. John is clearly explaining. He's taking us back to Genesis 3. Uh, he's telling the story. He's telling the story in an, uh, in an apocalyptic way. Uh, that's, that's the beauty of this description altogether. He's going back to Genesis 3, and he's talking about Genesis 3.15, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Uh, you know, Michael, uh, you know, whatever authority is using, uh, you know, he, he basically, Michael defeats the dragon. We have already seen that in uh, Revelation 12, 6. Uh, they, they were, he was not, the dra dragon and his angels were not a match for Michael and his angels. So he has been defeated and he has been cast down to the earth. He has hurled down to the earth. And that is our problem. The problem is Satan being hurled to the earth ends his position of privilege in God's court. Once upon a time, he had a privileged position in God's court. But now, because he has lost that position, he is a loser. And when that loser has little power, you don't expect any construction, constructive thing from him. He is always there to destroy. He is there to destroy God's people. He is there to attack God's people. He is there to punish God's people. He is all out and out to destroy God's people because he couldn't stand um, Michael and his angels. Now he, he is on a vengeance. 
he wants to take revenge and that's what's happening and that's what basically what john is telling us here is, is the reason why you are suffering the reason why you are being persecuted he's explaining it in a in a graphical way why you are undergoing so much of persecution it is all because of what happened in the book of genesis it has all happened because of the war the dragon lost in heaven so we come to the next verse then i heard a loud voice in heaven say now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our god and the authority of his messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our god day and night has been hurled down see there is joy in heaven do we have details we don't have details but definitely john is telling there was joy the day when he was thrown out of heaven there was joy in the heaven and now he says now have come the salvation power and the kingdom of our god when jesus rose again there was so much of rejoicing in heaven now we seated at the right hand of god our father all authority is with messiah you know in the jewish traditions they will say the satan will stand before god and he will accuse them every single day of the year there is only one day when he will not accuse the people of god is on the day of atonement uh, that is a jewish story that's that's way they say but now we know that the real victory was won by our lord jesus christ so whenever we preach the gospel we have this victory uh, satan is always considered as an accuser always in the bible he is presented as an accuser you read the book of job is introduced as an accuser but uh, in the new testament most of the time we we have almost because of the lord's prayer lead us not into temptation and jesus was tempted by the devil so we tend to think the main job of satan is to tempt us but the main job of god uh, of satan is to accuse us day and night uh, that's why in first john 2:1 it says my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anybody does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one that's because he was considered as an accuser now we need an advocate and so jesus christ is our advocate jesus said in john 14:6 and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever holy spirit is our advocate we need an advocate when we stand before god we cannot stand on our credentials on on the things that we have done we cannot stand however good and great we might be we cannot stand based on our work he is a holy god holy god so we need an advocate 
And John is telling Jesus Christ is our advocate. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit is another advocate. He will always be there to help you and to be with you forever. Now we go to the next verse, uh, Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Gospel has power. There's power in the message. Uh, but at the same time, even though Satan's, Satan was defeated in heaven, remember, it does not mean an end to physical suffering on earth. Satan has been defeated. And he has, he has his time on this earth. So we should not think because he has been defeated in heaven, uh, we will not have any suffering. Rather, we will have more suffering because of Satan. So we continue to overcome the devil the evil one, by faithfully testifying of Christ's victory. That's the only way we will overcome the evil one. And this could even lead us to the point of death. It could even lead us to the point of death, but that's the only way we can overcome uh, evil. And this is a sacrifice to which Jesus Christ has called us long, long, long ago. Anyone who would like to be his follower. Jesus has not hidden this from us. He said, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If life becomes more precious than Jesus, we lose it. But if Jesus becomes more precious than our life, then we will keep our life for eternity, for eternal life. So it's all about the work that Jesus done, did on the cross and is a message, the gospel message uh, that has power. The conquering lion was a slain lamb. The conquering lion was a slain lamb. We should never forget that. He was a slain lamb. The lamb that was slain, and he became the conquering lion. And that is the same road for his children too. Uh, we, we, we will have victory by faith, boldly proclaiming Christ, regardless of the cost to themselves, whatever is going to happen. So when we quote John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them, where because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So the one who is greater, the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Even at the cost of our life, we can only overcome when we hold on to this testimony till the last breath of our lives. God alone can give us that grace. God alone can give us that strength, but we should have the desire asking God to give us that strength. 
in first john 5 4 5 for everyone born of god overcomes the world how do you overcome the world we only overcome the world by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony how do you overcome the world only by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony blood of the lamb he shed his blood for us this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world only the one who believes that jesus is the son of god so we go to the next verse Revelation 12, 12, therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. If devil is here on this earth, and he is, uh, he is furious, he is angry, what do you expect from him? Who will be his targets? It will be only God's children. The target will be only God's children. But we don't know why he is being permitted to wield his power for some time. We don't know. We don't have reason. We, we don't have any explanation for that. But one thing we know, we have an enemy in this world. We don't have to create an enemy. The moment we accept Jesus Christ, there is an enemy. He may come in different forms and he is there. Uh, do not be surprised in your workplaces for no mistake of yours if you have to face struggles. Enemy comes in different forms, but we don't have to fear that. Remember, he is filled with fury. He is furious. He was an enormous dragon, huge dragon, just with a flick of his tail, he could dislodge one third of the stars. So you can imagine his power. So this powerful being is furious. And he's all the more furious because he knows that his time is short. Let's go to the next two verses, Revelation 12, 13 to 14. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he has been pushed, he has been thrown out to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and a half and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Now, I, when I was talking about the woman, I gave you interpretation, three different interpretations people have. One is they said it is Mary, and the one they said it is Israel, then the other one they said the church. Uh, they, give, they give three interpretation. I said in all probability it fits better with the church. So when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman. He's against his church. The church comprises of, of both Jews and Gentiles. 
that is the church that is the church of jesus christ the church comprises of people of every language tribe that is the church of jesus christ and this dragon he is pursuing the woman and that's the reason we have persecution he will come in different forms churches all down the uh, down through the history they have undergone persecution it's only the name may be different the the the, the party in power may be different but the churches have always undergone persecution all throughout the world so when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth the furious dragon is pursuing the church pursuing his children so it is now it is no longer the child earlier it was the child now 1 to 6 it was the child he wanted to devour the child but when he failed when he could not do that john is explaining why the churches in asia minor are undergoing persecution and that's god's word so it's applicable for us also why our churches are undergoing persecution because the fallen dragon the one who is furious is after is pursuing you don't have to invite him any true church will be under attack any true church any gospel centered church will be under attack and the devil is after the church and john is talking about an exodus a new exodus because she would be she is in the wilderness basically is talking about the way god protected provided for the israelites in the wilderness how he provided them with manna how he took care of them in the wilderness there is going to be a second exodus a final exodus a new exodus when god will provide for them god will provide the churches will endure the persecution because god will protect the church and basically when he talks about eagles wings he's talking about verses like this in exodus 19:4 you yourself have seen what i did to egypt and how i carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself it's for the churches to remember even in the wilderness god carried them on eagles wings and now also he will carry us on eagles wings and we have this well known verse in psalm 91:4 he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart and he's talking about a time times and half a time uh, in greek it's known as a kairos moment it's for a season we don't count 1260 days it's for a season it's for a for a time that all this will take place but god will provide for his children he's talking about there is going to be a future kingdom when salvation will be complete when the kingdom of god will be consummated he's talking about future john is telling why you are being persecuted but also look forward you have hope because this very same god will come again 
will come again and will establish his kingdom. And he, when he comes, we will have complete salvation. Let's go to the next verse. Then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep, away, sweep her away with a torrent. The, in scripture, the serpent, God overthrew in the first exodus, lived in the waters. That's the way uh, serpent is presented in the Old Testament, as the serpent is presented in the waters. Because Psalm 74, 13, it says, it was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. Power is with God. We go to Ezekiel 29.3. Speak to him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, you great monster lying among your streams. You say the Nile belongs to me. I made it for myself. Basically, Old Testament is presenting God as more powerful. There is none like God because the sea gods were considered as more powerful and Leviathan was considered as a great monster. And uh, the scripture presents God as one who is incomparable. There is no one. That's why you read in the prophetic books, there is no one like me and there'll be no one like me there's only one god one god and you cannot compare this god with any other gods he's all powerful and that's the way scripture presents and he says then from his uh, son of man take up a lament concerning pharaoh king of egypt and say to him you are like a lion among the nations. You are like a monster in the seas, thrashing about in your streams, churning the water with your feet and muddying the streams. There's all prophetic language, talking about the force, talking about the evil force, the serpent. It's, it's the way uh, it has been presented. Now, in this verse, 12, 15, then from his mouth, the serpent, and spewed water like a river to overtake uh, the woman and sweep away her away with the torrent. Uh, it is basically to say about, we have already seen that serpent is an accuser. So the way John is presenting is from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river means from his mouth, only thing that comes out is accusations. And he symbolically is saying, the serpent spewed water like a river. You, you know, the, have you not heard when people say, you open your mouth, only lies will come out of you. Have you not heard that? Uh, there is, people will say, you open your mouth, only lies will come out. So in the same way, Satan, he opens his mouth, only accusations will come out. Nothing good will come out of Satan's mouth. But he says, oh my goodness, you cannot accuse God's people anymore. 
because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You can no longer accuse God's children. We have an advocate. He has lost his place. He can no longer accuse God's children. Uh, in, in Jeremiah 47, 2, this is what the Lord says. See how the waters are rising in the north. They will become an overflowing torrent. They will overflow the land and everything in it, in that the towns and those who live in them, the people will cry out. All who dwell in the land will wail. It's talking about something evil. Evil is going to come and people will cry out. It's, it's also talking in the Old Testament when they, when they speak about a time of tribulation, this is how they present in Psalm 32, 6. Therefore, let the, all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Surely the rising of the, rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Devil cannot reach us. Let the faithful pray. Prayer is important. As we pray, we are keeping these evil forces at bay. It is so important for God's children to get together and pray because we don't see the evil forces. But when we pray, there is so much of power in prayer because we, it, is, it is the, to whom we are praying, we are praying to God and God will keep these evil forces at bay. He is furious. He is out and out against his children. So the prayers are very important and is all the more important for a church and the people in the church. It's important because he is pursuing the church. He is all, just because nothing is happening or you are not able to realize the, the extent to which we have nullified the work of the evil one, only heaven can show us. Every time we say prayer, remember we are keeping these evil forces at bay and it is very important for us. That's why God promised us that kind of safety, even in uh, okay, 69, 15, do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Uh, we have this promise in Isaiah 43 too, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the waters, in life, we, there are situations for which we don't have an answer. We don't know. If we commit a sin and if we suffer, at least we will know the reason. There are many a time we will not the, know the reasons why we suffer. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is the promise God has given his children. That's what we find even in the book of Revelation. That's the promise. God is going to protect his children. Here we see from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river. To, is, what was his intention? To overtake the woman and sweep her away. 
In other words, to kill her, to devour her, to destroy her. And how God is going to protect us? He's telling in the next verse. But the earth held the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, the creation loyal to God sometimes helped, sometimes helped the righteous people against their wicked human oppressors. That's the Jewish tradition. The creation that's loyal to God, it protects, sometimes it protects people. So do you know of any Old Testament figure who was hidden by a tree? Do you know? Because here we are going to talk about the earth. The earth helped a woman by opening its mouth. So I said the Jewish understanding is the creation loyal to God gives protection. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes gives protection to saints of God. So do you know of any Old Testament figure who was hidden by a tree? Who was that answer? Rachel, I said Jonah. Uh, the fish. Yes, uh, Jonah was protected. I asked by a tree. Oh, you okay. Okay, we don't have a direct answer to the Jonah, yes, the fish protected him. Uh, you're right. Uh, I didn't even think of that, Rachel, when I was preparing this. Uh, thank you. Uh, Thank you. He was uh, a gold, a gold plant. plant. The creeper covered him. Yeah, Jonah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, that, was a, that is not from, uh, we are talking about from the wicked oppressors. Uh, it's, it's a way that the plant gave him shelter. Uh, here it's talking about basically when the wicked forces are against you. Uh, we have an indirect answer to this question. Uh, I didn't think about uh, I didn't think about Jonah fish and all. I did not think. Uh, here is an indirect answer uh, because from the Jewish traditions. Because when you read that, you they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in in two. Who was sawed in two? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Isaiah, okay, Isaiah. Uh, the Jewish tradition, because we, I said we don't have any direct uh, explanation for this or any direct mention of this. The Jewish tradition is uh, the tree gave protection to Isaiah and the wicked people that cut the tree into two. Uh, that is the Jewish explanation. In other words, but we are uh, looking at this, it's a metaphorical language. Uh, the earth has no mouth. We are looking at Revelation, but the earth held the woman by opening its mouth. So earth has no mouth. So John is basically uh, using um, metaphorical language, but the symbols are very real. It's real. Uh, mouths basically, uh, they, refer, they, they refer speech and especially for God's word. Because in Revelation 1.16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. So his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. So, but the 
earth helped the woman by opening its mouth it is all about the gospel it's all about the gospel it's all about god's word that is the power in god's word so much of power is there in god's word it can protect us we go to revelation uh, 2:16 repent therefore otherwise i will soon come to you and will fight against them uh, with the sword of my mouth revelation 19:15 coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword uh, with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the wine press the fury of the wrath of god almighty so so whenever we pass through the waters i will be with you we have already seen this verse god will be with us um the the irony is the dragon wanted to sweep away the woman with its mouth and the earth with its mouth will foil that plan that's the irony in this verse uh, we go to the next verse revelation 12:17 then the dragon was enraged he is already furious he was enraged at the woman and uh, went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring those who keep god's commands and hold fast their testimony about jesus uh, satan is against the church that started in genesis 3:15 and it continues and in genesis 3:15 it clearly says you will strike his heel satan will cause some kind of damage it is not that he will not cause any damage there will people of god will be persecuted they will be martyred they will be killed so because you will strike his heel that has been told in 315 itself so satan's persistent hostility against the church and his persecution of the faithful will continue he will continue to do that and god has given him some time uh so what we can do is uh we can always look to god for refuge for protection for strength uh in this chapter basically john is telling how the persecution of christians began it began in genesis 3:15 the persecution of christians the church started in genesis 3:15 itself and john is explaining that in a metaphorical way he charges the devil with the primary responsibility of initiating this thing uh now precisely how the devil how does the devil make war with the rest of the women's seed uh john is going to explain it in the next chapter uh how the devil the dragon uh, the serpent will wage war uh with the woman's seed that we saw in genesis 3:15 uh he, he will wage war against the rest of her offspring so this we will see in the next chapter uh experts uh, we have completed genesis chapter 12 i just want to end this with a one incident uh, experts estimate tens of thousands of martyr uh, 
of God's people are martyred every year. Tens of thousands people, they die just holding on to this testimony. I'm going to talk about a man. Uh, the Cuban government imprisoned a man called Noble Alexander, an Adventist youth pastor for 22 years. I checked up uh, and I also went and checked up the newspaper of 1988. The story was there. So it's a true story. Uh, he was a young man. He just preached in a meeting and he was telling about how, how we are sinners and how Jesus came to rescue us. And he was returning from that meeting and he was arrested by the Cuban government. And uh, he suffered food poisoning for eating maggot-ridden gruel. If you read his story, you will be shocked. He lost consciousness being dunked in an icy lake while bound. They stripped him, they made, they made him naked, and they put him in that ice-cold place. He passed out three times from the pain of being whipped with electrical cables. He sustained gunshot wounds in his hand, leg, and thigh. He was put in jail for 22 years because he said he, they said he's working against the government. And uh, he was treated so badly in prison, but in the prison, he used to conduct a Bible study. Because he used to conduct Bible study, they started calling him as pastor. Young man, his wife, the moment she came to know that he has been arrested, she divorced him. He has a son. And uh, they, on trumped up charges, he was sentenced to 20 years prison. Many a time his life was under threat, but somehow he survived. In his uh, trial, the, they appointed a police officer as his attorney. And the first word he started is, uh, judge what my client did is wrong. Uh, we ask for your lenient sentence. And when this man said, I have not done anything wrong, that man said, you shut up, keep quiet. It's all false uh, charge, false proceedings. And this man is uh, sentenced to 20 years. And after 20 years, they didn't release him. And when he asked why I'm not being released, they said the order has not yet come. So they kept him for two more years. And there was a pastor from US, uh, I think his name was Jesse, Pastor Reverend Jesse. He went and um, he uh, negotiated for release of 20 Americans and including this pastor. And he went back to US, they gave him asylum. Uh, he, he's no more, he died. But in prison, this young man, he was a young man uh, when he was arrested. Uh, he uh, drew strength from Revelation chapter 210. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that he may be tried and he shall have tribulation 10 days. He used to always preach 10 days means 10 years uh, and he used to recite the passage. He said, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee the crown of life. This particular verse gave him uh, so much of uh, encouragement. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 
it's Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, this was the verse that kept him alive in the prison. That is the beauty of the word of God. Uh, Revelation 2.10 says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil put, will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So tribulation has already started. People are undergoing uh, persecution and uh, we can only pray. It's important for us to pray for those who are undergoing persecution. And it is also important for us to give, uh, asking God to give us strength because it's only with strength we can withstand uh, the devil's onslaught. Uh, with this, I have ended the uh, chapter, chapter 12. I've ended, we will come back to 13th next week. Ah, yeah, this is the worst we had. If you have any questions, uh, you can ask. Uh, if there are no questions, uh, it's all about Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our Deliverer. The victory that Jesus won on the cross, I really pray we'll be able to understand the magnitude of victory. That's why John is telling, even in heaven, Michael and his angels were simply, they were able to defeat Satan, the dragon, and his, and his company because of what Jesus did on the cross. We are God's children. We serve a great God, great God. We do not have to live in fear. We have to just keep praising him and worshiping him. I have a question from Revelation 12. Uh, you spoke about this uh, accuser, verse uh, 10. Uh, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ to come. For the accuser of our brethren will accuse them before our God day and night has been cast down. And um, so it was told in the past tense, has been cast down. And um, it also tells us that... Uh, uh, he accuses us night and day, so accused us. So how do we reconcile, Pastor, that is accusing us now and he was accused, he is an accuser earlier and he was cast down? Uh, now, how he's going to accuse us I, I really don't know, Pastor, but uh, John is talking about a past event which has happened. Uh, because John here is uh, telling that he has been hurled down. Now, because he has, been, he has lost his place in heaven, and for the children of God, I don't think uh, Satan will be standing and accusing us. He has lost that place because Jesus Christ is our advocate. 
he, uh, we, we don't believe uh, that good and evil are equal. Uh, there is no comparison. Now, since the devil has been cast down, uh, I tend to think that devil is not going to stand. If we are children of God, we have already been justified and there's not, there's not going to be any accusation because the victory that Jesus has won for us in the past, it also holds good for us in the future. And devil has lost his place in heaven and he's not going to go back to heaven. Uh, can we take this pastor that the book of Job, he, he get, gets into, we don't say, we don't, the Bible never says he goes into heaven, uh, but he is able to approach God's presence to, to, you know, to, to challenge God's children, to ch challenge God about his children. I, it's, um, the book of Job is basically to tell us about God and to also introduce us to a, to a force which is beyond our understanding. It's basically to introduce us rather than to give us more detail. As I told you, the Bible, uh, uh, the Bible gives us very little information about the angels, Satan, or it gives us very little information. Uh, the book of Job is basically to tell us that we, we will suffer and we will not know reasons for our suffering. But don't try to counsel God. He is beyond our counsel. And when, you know, when Job saw God, he said, I only heard about God. Uh, now I have seen God. And Job is not asking answers for his questions. Job thought he can stand before God based on his righteousness. And when he saw God, it is not possible. When we see a holy God, uh, Isaiah was not a bad man. But when we saw the holy God, he's just, he said, woe unto me, woe unto me. So devil has no place in God's court. He has no place. And for God's children, he absolutely has no place because Jesus has already won the battle for us. We don't even have to stand there and say, oh God, forgive me, because we, we stand because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we are not going to equate that, we are not going to lift up this devil to such a high place where he will stand before God, and, but uh, he will accuse his children. But one thing is very clear, right now he has been hurled down to the earth and he wields enormous power. He has power. He has power and he is out and out to destroy the church, church and God's people. That's why I said some of you may face uh, situations like that in your workplaces for no mistake of yours. You may be blamed, you may be accused, but remember there is a God. You may not have to find a reason for that, but there is God who will be your refuge. He comes in different ways, different forms right now. Uh, we should not say this is, we should not attribute everything to devil. At the same time, we should not underestimate the power of devil. We should have a very balanced uh, approach when it comes to devil.
Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, if there are no questions, we will say this with, we'll read this verse together as, a, as an act of prayer. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. Glorious Father, we worship a great, great God. There is none like you, O God. None like you. There is only one God, and there is only one God who created the heavens and the earth. We thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, you are seated on the throne. Everything is under your control, under your authority. As you are children, we worship you, we bow before you, we pray, Lord, you will protect your children, protect all of us from the onslaughts of the evil one. You will pass through the rivers, but I will be with you. We pray, Lord, that will be our assurance. Bless each and every one, O Lord, who is here studying the word of God. Let the word of God become alive in us. We are not here, O oh Lord, for intellectual knowledge. We are here to know you, how great you are, how great you are. We are your children and you are our God. Bless each and every one, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, you have protected us thus far. Continue to protect us, keep us away from any kind of sickness, COVID-19 or any kind of sickness, O oh Lord. Bless us with good health and strength. We give you all glory, honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the ever-abiding fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.